It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody. Or sort of. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on <laughs> Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. Check us out there. All right, guys. Um, not sure how much I have to say about that football game that we all sat through and watched on Sunday afternoon. The Giants fell to the Miami Dolphins 20-9 in, in just what wasn't a particularly well-played football game uh, in, in a lot of ways. Giants manages 250. I'll throw a couple numbers out there. I think summarizes the problems. Giants had 250 yards of total offense. They only managed two drives that went more than 32 yards. Not what you're looking for. And they did not score a touchdown. And they are now down to Jake Fromm as their only healthy quarterback. So they couldn't run it. Who? <laughs> they couldn't run the ball. They only had they did not complete a pass that went for more than twenty yards. Their longest pass play was twenty yards to Kenny Galladay. Uh, they did not get in the touchdown as uh, get in the end zone and score a touchdown. Defense did not force a takeaway to give the offense some help, and the result is a listless twenty to nine Boring defeat that game. in just a game that um, wasn't very inspiring. I guess I'll kind of leave it at that, Jeff. Well, I mean, look at both of these teams offensively. I was going through the statistic. There was only three plays of over 20 yards in the game, both teams yesterday. I mean, that's unheard of in the National Football League today. It really is. I mean, obviously we know that the Dolphins, that's their MO. That's kind of what they do. They've won five games in a row doing it. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, Jeff, how about this one? How about this stat? How about this stat? All right, so the Giants start the third quarter, right? They go on a 10-play, 69-yard drive, and they kick a field goal. That was their one red zone appearance, and they managed to kick a field goal, right? Which falls in trend with the season. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Here are the subsequent six drives by both teams. <laughs> Listen to this. Here we go. You guys ready for this? Take a breath. <laughs> Dolphins, three plays, six yards, punt. Giants, three plays, no yards, punt. Dolphins, three plays, eight yards, punt. Giants, three, three plays, eight yards, punt. Dolphins, three plays, negative nine yards, punt. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Oh, it was a nice day, though. Nice and sunny. <laughs> That's one way to spin it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, it's just, oh, my gosh. I, you know, and, and again, we can we can always pick out plays that, you know, the team could have done this and could have did this. Now, this game was an easy, easily a winnable game. Um, you can't go back and say if Daniel Jones had played in this game, they would have won. You don't know that. But the fact is that there was plays to be made. Um, and just, you know, missed opportunities. And again, I, I just feel like, you know, this Giants team, if you look, go through the running statistics, that'll make you even sicker. Um, and, and Saquon Barkley, you know, he, they were going to try to get the ball to him receiving, but it wasn't that great. I mean, you look at his statistics, receiving the ball was not good either. Um, defensively, you know, they, the Giants gave up two touchdowns and they didn't take the ball away. And we heard from Logan Ryan after the game saying, we talked about this in the post game yesterday, John. Is that Logan Ryan was basically declaring that we, if we don't get turnovers, we're not going to have a chance to win, and we didn't do that defensively. And that it's, is a tough thing to depend on to win games. Hundred percent. And you could tell that that was kind of a very sincere thing to say. And he does, you know, it's kind of hard to, 
you know, the defense never wants to point the finger at the offense and vice versa, but, you know, and they don't do that. And Bradbury was asked a question about that, and he did a good job deflecting it. And, you know, you just can't do that. But the fact of the matter is, is that this defense, even though it's not a great defense, we know that. They're giving up 200 yards rushing the week before. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're still keeping the game close, where if you had some offensive production, these games would be close, and they might be winning some of them. The defense right? is good enough to win games with. Yeah, I agree, right? Yeah. They're not the best. They're not the, you know, they're not going to, they're not the 80, 84 or 85 Bears, whoever they were. They're not, they're not that, but they can they, they keep you in the games. Right. And Lance, I think that's the reason why I, I kind of went generally and went, spoke generally when I, when I opened the show here. Because you could point to so many things here. You can point to Every drop week. passes. Yeah. You could point to inaccurate throws. You could point to poor pass protection. You could point to poor run blocking. You could point to poor pass blocking. I mean, I don't think there's one part of this offense that escapes scrutiny in this game where different times of the game, different players in different position groups, you know, didn't do what they had to do in order to get enough points on the board. Well, I mean, to me, the one statistic that I would turn to, I would say inefficiency on first and second down combined absolutely killed the Giants yesterday. Because if you look at the third downs, they had 11 downs for eight yards or more. It was bad. And that's out of 16 third downs they faced, okay? That's well over 50%. They only converted three of those 11, which shouldn't stun anybody. They were 6 of 16 on third down. But the inability for them to get much positive yardage on first and second down basically put them in third and nines, third and tens, third and elevens, it seemed, the entire game. And when you have issues in pass protection— you obviously you can't run the ball when you're facing a third and nine or a third and ten. I was actually shocked. I don't know if you guys remember this one play. I can't believe the Dolphins gave this up. There was a third and seven when Barkley ran for nine yards. I couldn't believe that <laughs> yeah, Miami I mean, gave that up. Yeah. You know, I'm not to make light of anything, but like it was remarkable that the Dolphins, you have the Giants exactly where you want, and then the Giants decide to run the ball and they have one of their most successful third down conversions on a run play. So I mean that should just pretty much sum up all of the wackiness of yesterday's game. But once again, I point to first and second down, lost cause for the Giants, and that put them in such a precarious spot. And you know this team is not built to consistently convert on those lengthy third downs. So that, to me, was a killer. And then, John, you brought up drop passes and misaccurate throws. When you look at Mike Glennon had a third and two, Evan Engram got behind the defense the throw was off the mark. Engram had to turn awkwardly, so that was a missed opportunity. You know, and and I know very lot... quickly on that throw, I think Ingram turned inside when he didn't have to. Because if you look at the replay, he actually starts looking over his outside shoulder. The pass gets thrown, and Glennon throws it to his outside shoulder. But for some reason, Ingram turns back to his inside shoulder. Yeah. Then he realizes, uh-oh, he threw it back to my outside shoulder. So he had to turn around again. So I don't know if that's just those guys not used to playing with each other as much. Maybe that's just not... Possible. You know, they don't have like the a good feel for where you're supposed to place that ball. But I'm not I'm honestly not sure if that was Glennon not putting it where he was supposed to, or if it was Ingram just turning back inside when he shouldn't have. I honestly don't know which is which is which on that particular point. Well, the bottom line is you had two guys that weren't on the same page. Correct. I Absolutely. think we can at least agree to that. Yeah, no question. And that led to obviously a missed opportunity. And then the other play that I would point to and he wasn't probably going to pick up the first down, but Jeff and I were talking about this on the postgame show yesterday. First of all, you had Devontae Parker make two great sideline catches, and then you had a great grab on third down by Mike Isicki, whereas when the Giants had some opportunities to make plays like that, Glennon threw to Darius Slayton, and he had both hands on the ball, 
and he just wound up not being able to hold on to it. And yeah. that would have been like a over the X's and O's type of play that Slayton would have made. He couldn't come through with that. Dolphins made multiple ones, and that was a big reason why they were able to put a lengthy drive together and essentially milk out the clock and wear down the Giants' defense. So that was another big difference because think about this, guys. When you have two offenses that are struggling and you had one team that score a touchdown and the Dolphins, the biggest difference obviously is they capitalized in the red zone. But when you can make those two or three plays that move the chains or help continue a drive, yeah, that makes a that's the difference. I mean, that's literally what's deciding games when it's not a very high-scoring affair. Well, and I'll throw a couple of things out there too, Jeff. Just real fast, just to add to what Lance says, I thought you picked out some good individual plays. You would have played you had two drops for Saquon, one on a little slant route, the other one on a little out route. And look, we talked about it, right? You can get him spread out against man-to-man coverage, and they got that twice, and he had two drops on those two plays. All right, then you had the play where Aaron Ross, not Aaron Ross, um, John <laughs> <Way> Ross, <back. laughs> is wide open going across the field, and somehow Mike Glennon just misses him. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Like, he made a great back shoulder throw to Kenny Galladay in the first quarter, which was a really high degree of difficulty throw. And he actually had a couple other small window throws in the middle of the field, one to Farrah Cooper in the first quarter, where it looked like Glennon was dealing a little bit. And then you have the play later on where Ross is wide open over the middle, and he can't hit him. And I, I, I watched the offense this morning. I have not watched the defense yet. And I just, over and over again in my notes, Jeff, I have mm-hmm. inside stunt, inside twist, not picked up, not picked up, oh, not picked up. Plenty of those. The Dolphins saw it on tape. They didn't even, like, the reason we didn't really hear from Nate Solder and Andrew Thomas in this game is that the Dolphins didn't attack those guys. They didn't need the to. The Dolphins attacked the interior of the Giants' offensive line, yep. and they could not handle those inside twists and stunts the whole game. Well, real quickly on the offense, that's the weakness. It's that center guard guard, okay? Because you got, you got Thomas on the left side, and you got a veteran Solder on the right. Okay, those are your two by far best players on the offensive line, so they, they're not going to attack the outside. They're going to come inside, exactly what you just said. I think one thing we have to look at, and I'm, I'm going to get on the defense a little bit here, even though that we just talked about and we praise them how Go good ahead. they've been doing. Here's a situation where you guys brought up something on the offense because the, the Dolphins players were making plays, right? Above, as Paul always says, above the X's and O's. Here's a situation that I pulled out of this game yesterday that I feel like in this, in this sense, the Giants had a chance to at least go down and try to tie this game up with five minutes left in the game. It's first and 10. The, the Dolphins have the ball. Okay, um, it's a it's a run to Gaskins for five yards, and it's an incomplete pass. It's a third and five from the thirty yard line, and that's the Devonte Parker catch that, that you guys mentioned. Yeah, you know that was an amazing play, and I have on my notes here five stars before the play even happened. I said this is a big down, circled everything, and of course then I had to write on there amazing catch back shoulder Devonte Parker. That was a great okay, play. so then they get the ball first and ten at the forty five. They run the ball. Second and six, they run the ball. Another third down opportunity for this defense to make a play somehow. And Kaseki gets a completion. Um, and that was another good, great grab. And Jeff, it's another great grab. Yeah. Uh, Love, you know, he was just couldn't make the play there. And the fact is, there's another opportunity game over. So 17-9 to nine going into that drive with five minutes left in the game. The Giants got a chance to tie this game up, but they can just get a third down and out. But they failed twice on it. Giants, uh, the the Dolphins get the ball. They go. It's three minutes and fourteen seconds. They end up running out the clock, and boom, boom, they get a field goal after that. So, um, it's just a matter of you know we can pick out all these plays in the games, guys. And as bad as this offense was last week and this week, 
They won a game last week because of four takeaways and two turnovers on downs. Yep. Um, this week, they didn't get a turnover. Um, they played an inept offense that really just kind of dinked and dunked you down the field all the way. Which, by the way, is exactly what we knew they were going to do. 100%. We talked about this last yeah. week. Nothing the Dolphins did in this game was surprising, yeah. except maybe they didn't blitz quite as much as we thought. Otherwise, this was yeah. completely predictable. 100%. And you kind of knew it. What did it. I think Paul had mentioned somebody said death by a thousand cuts or whatever. That's what this was yesterday. I mean, it was just. Well, it's I very mean, similar to the Tampa Bay game, Jeff. Brady also yeah. took what the defense gave him. Unbelievable. So, you know, there's there's chances in the game for the Giants to do something remarkable and make a stop on third down for defense, and they didn't do it. And they end up, you know, they had a chance there. Now, that with the offense the way that they are, the chances of the Giants going down and scoring a touchdown at that point was probably very, very slim to none. But the fact that matters, you at least would have had a chance, and they didn't have it. Yeah, look, so. and, and the defense did hold the Dolphins under 300 yards, right. and they they overall did a pretty good job. But it, And by the way, I will open up the phones right now. 201-939-4513. Get in. We'll start screening you. Put you on hold, and we will get to you as the show progresses here. But, Lance, I thought the defense was fine. I thought they played better, actually, this week than they did against Philadelphia last week. Uh, look, if you the Dolphins had four drives in the fourth quarter, Lance. They went a combined 13 plays for 24 yards. The offense could only get three points out of the possessions they got off of all those stops by the Giants' defense. Not to mention, the two first drives they had in the fourth quarter, the Giants didn't score any points on those either. So, Look, they, the offense was given opportunities time and time again. They just couldn't take advantage. Well, piggybacking off of your point, John, you had the Dolphins punt four straight times to start the second half. Yeah. Okay? And it's a 10-3 game, right? Beginning of the third quarter, you got it down to 10-6 because you scored a field goal on your first possession. Yeah, opportunity after opportunity in which the defense gives you back the ball. No points were added to the tally. And the Giants just couldn't capitalize. That's why Logan Ryan was sort of inferring that, you know, we need a takeaway every single game. And I'm interpreting, I'm going to add on what he should have then added was not only do you need a takeaway, you need your defense to have a pick six or a fumble return or at this stage <laughs> to help out your offense. I mean, once again, I'm putting those words in his mouth, but yeah. I'm going to go back to you guys, the Raiders game. And this is the statistic that I love to give out. And I'm going to continue to give it out until the trend ends. 12 games the Giants have played in nine of those 12, okay, well over 50%. The offense, just the offense, I don't care about the total points, the offense has scored 20 points or less in nine of those 12 games. And the Raiders game is the perfect example. This is the poster child of my point. You won 23-16. to 16. Your offense only scored 16 points. McKinney gave you a pick six, which, remember, came on the first possession of the third quarter, and you wind up winning by a touchdown. What's the difference? The difference is the McKinney touchdown, and also, remember, you had the strip sack at the end of the game when the Raiders once again got into the red zone because they had six trips. So, once again, I'm going to take Logan Ryan's point, and I'm going to add to it by saying, Logan, your defense doesn't need just takeaways. You need to physically take those opportunities, and you need to find the end zone yourself because at this point, it's impossible to ask the offense to go into every game and thinking you're even going to get 20 points at this rate. It's, it's impractical. Is yeah. what it is. It's not, you know, impossible. You got a chance. It's impractical because they can't do it, and they've been continuously not doing it. I um, mean, even like even if you don't score, Lance, at least you get down there like the like the Tampa. What was the game? The Tampa the, game, the five yeah. yard line. You're yeah. talking about. I mean, yeah. so okay, so now Correct. we got a chance. Now we're now we're first and goal from the five. I think you know we got a good chance of scoring from this point. But yeah, um, yeah. So good, very good point. Very good point.
All right, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, secure your season tickets for 2022 for only 100 bucks today. Limited seats are available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, we'll go in order here. I guess, Taylor, Anthony in Philly will lead us off. Anthony, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Hey, 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 uh, Jeff, thanks for everything you did, man. Um, love, love them Super Bowl wins, but uh, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, just um, one, listen, just one. Don't, don't give him credit <laughs> oh, for two I'll, now. I'll take it, <laughs> 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 never turn it down. <laughs> uh, but I only hey, have listen, proof, man, I only I'm, have proof I'm for 30, one. <laughs> I'm 30 years old, man. I, I, I've seen both championships. Um, this is bad, man. What's going on right now? Um, I think front office needs to take a, a big look at themselves and, and the scouting department needs to take a big look at themselves too and, and really figure out what's going on here, man. Because every year it's like the same thing, the same thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I'm not in the building, so I'm just a fan. You know what I mean? Um, it's bad, man. It's bad. But I'll take your phone. You, know, you call off the air, man. Thanks for everything, you guys. I know, I know you guys get a lot of heat and stuff like that, but... <sighs> You know, it's it's rough to be a Giants fan right now. You got to have a good one. I appreciate it, Anthony. And by the way, we're not the ones getting heat. It's it's obviously yeah. the we just get to talk yeah. about it. We get I mean, to talk we, about know. it, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, I you mean, know. it's sixty degrees in New York today, so it's a little warm, but <laughs> nice. That's okay. good. Yeah. So, Jeff, how about this? I'm going to ask you this question because you spent the early part of your career on some not very good teams. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. How hard is it mm-hmm. just for a team in an organization to get out of that? Is it is it all just being good enough on the field? Is part of it mental? Is part of it, you know, mindset? Or is it just really not being talented enough? Can you? Is there a way to even put that into words? Am I fishing no, here? I, what do I you think, think? I think I think you take little bits and pieces of every one of those. But I think that even you guys who, you know, have not been in the locker room as a player, you know, you still have a sense of what it takes to, to build a team and to turn things around, Okay. Inside the locker room, um, and I'm just going to go with 53 guys in there, okay? They're, we have to look out for each other, but the bottom line is that, you know, there's guys that are – those. that's your profession. That's what you do as a professional. So when you get 53 guys on the same page and they are, I would say, you know, they belong in the National Football League. They're, they're, they're good players that are going to become better players through coaching, through their own individual – um, things that they do. Um, but I think the biggest, I think the number one thing, John, is you've got to have good players and you've got to have, you got to have special guys and players that are make some plays and games that, that win you games. And that has to come from the quarterback position because that's the most important one. I think that defensively, you've got to have guys at the edge or even an interior guy that can disrupt an offense where, uh, and hate to steal this from, you know, Paul, that, you know, the Excedrin player, he calls, you got to have one of those guys. And then Jeff, you're quoting him an awful lot. I know. What are you doing? Because because they make sense. It's just a matter of not (laughs) using the right words. Wait, wait, so you're not only quoting him. Now you're saying Paul Dottino makes sense. Well, when I say Excedrin players, that that's a good term. 
It's a good time. Uh, but... By the way, they're not a sponsor. Can we just call them a headache player? Oh, please? hold on. I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get Paul <laughs> off the other line. Hold on. Paul, can we I'm call sorry. them the Tylenol go. players? How about that? Can we give them some love? No. Yeah. How about no brand names that aren't sponsoring the show? How about that? All right, I'm gonna get away from Tatino. But you know, it's so I, you know, the some of the teams that I were around. Basically, what's happened is, is that they they just have to continuously try to get better positioned you know, players and, and go through the guys that can play. And then I think once in a while you'll get um, a change and guys will come in here as far as coaching staff or, you know, a front office and do a bunch of changes here and there and, and things work out. But, you know, the common denominator is that you've got to have good players and just go down, just go down the league. It's, it's very simple. And the teams that win have good quarterbacks that make plays that can take the team on their shoulders and go down and win games in crucial situations. And on the flip side of it, like I said yesterday, or t- today about yesterday, somebody's got to make plays in big positions. And the Giants have done it. They've done it. They just don't consistently do it. And that's what it takes. And I'll, let me throw this out, too, real quick. And I don't want to get off on a tangent here. But if you want a, a good explanation as to why the Giants have been disappointing this year, you know, take a look at their players that they've either used elite draft picks on or spent a lot of money on in free agency, right? Because those, Jeff, if you're going to, if you need great players to win, yeah, yeah. those are the guys that have to do it, right? Yeah. The yep. guys you use top draft picks on or the mm-hmm. guys you spend a lot of money on, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go through real quick. I'm just going to list the guys. We don't have to go through them one by one, all right? Kenny Galladay did a lot of injuries. Dory Jackson, he's out now. Otherwise, he's been pretty good. Blake Martinez out for the year. James Bradbury's having a bit of a down year. Uh, Xavier McKinney, he's having a real good season. Leonard Williams, not as impactful as he was last year, right? Dexter Lawrence has been fine, but he's not. he hasn't been a superstar. Um, offensive side of the ball, you know, Kenny Galladay, he's been hurt a lot of the year. Sterling Shepard, a guy that they paid, he's been hurt a lot of the year. Kadarius Toney, a first-round pick, he's been hurt a lot of the year. Saquon Barkley, a first-round pick, he's been hurt a lot of the year. Mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas, first-round pick, he's played well when he's played, mm-hmm. otherwise hurt a lot of the year. Will Hernandez, second-round pick on the other side, he hasn't had the best season. Nate Solder, his contract's reasonable now. At one point, he was a big-money signing. That speaks for itself, right? So you go through the guys, Lance, that they've spent their elite resources on, and a lot of it because injury, but also, bottom line, whatever reason you want to give for it, those guys have not been as great as you need them to be for this team's record to be better. Yeah, I mean, I think the injuries have been overwhelming because they've occurred simultaneously. Right. I think that's what's hurt. A lot of these guys have been out next to one another, as opposed to this guy missed three games, then he comes back, then you miss another guy. They were really all on top of one another. However, what I will say, and I brought this up previously, and I'm going to emphasize it again, if you go back to the one game this season, and there's been more, but the one game where the majority of the guys were on the field together, remember, in that Saints game, they only had 10 points with about seven minutes oh, to oh, go in the fourth quarter. Oh, no, Lance, and, 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 so, and by the way, the, the point of my statement there wasn't, wasn't to blame. No, and I wasn't taking it right. that way. I was just adding another layer to it. I just I get frustrated when the conversation then steers in the direction. I'm not saying you were going there, John, but a lot of people, they love to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. It's, it's like what Jeff brought up where he said people want to argue if Daniel Jones played in yesterday's game, well, the Giants would have absolutely won. I wouldn't go so far to say that. Mm-mm. I don't think you could guarantee that. So I don't like to say, well, if everybody was on the field simultaneously, the Giants would have four more wins right now. Based on the execution this season, I'm not that overly confident in saying that, If we, even if we want to go down that hypothetical road. 201-939-4513. Gavin is in Florida. He's up next. Hey, Gavin. Hey, 
Hey, what's up, guys? How are you doing? Gavin, are you on speakerphone or something, man? No, I'm not. I'm actually on my, uh, my iPod. My okay. Eye. No worries. Go ahead. What do you got? Sorry, is it too loud? I can switch it. No, nah, go ahead. It's fine. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was at the game yesterday. I took my son to his first uh, pro football game. Uh, you know, I did hear you guys just talking about that injury stuff. And what I what I found interesting was that you were talking about the injuries and rolling down the list. And I believe it's RGM that it can be quoted as saying injured players get injured. Is that correct? I don't remember who. I've, I've definitely heard the quote before. I'm not sure who said it. I think that's Gettleman. I think that's Gettleman who's actually said that. I mean, it's just another indictment on you know, the team that he's put on the field. And I, look, I get it. Injuries happen, and this has been a bad season. But you can go back the last three, four years. You can list the injuries that happen to our key players every year. Now, I don't know if it's a medical staff thing or whatever. It doesn't really matter to me because I'm not going to be the one that fixes it. But somebody's got to get in there and fix the problems that are going on here with either picking the players that get injured consistently, not just this year, consistently, um, and that just needs to be addressed. But, you know, to, to go a little bit further into what I saw yesterday, you know, <laughs> it's not Mike Glennon's fault that he's a backup quarterback and he isn't good, but it was just really bad to watch all the missed throws. Some of them were not his fault. Some of them were by the sport, were, were drops on his, on his part or on the receiver's part, like Barkley had two drops. But it was just tough watching some of those missed throws. He missed Ingram wide open. I get that you guys were explaining that he looked left, right, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, he was in space wide open. And he completely missed him. He completely missed Walsh on a crossing pattern. I mean, like, the ball was five yards behind. Um, it was just tough to watch, you know. And, you know, I know they ramped up this offseason. They spent a lot of money in the offseason to get this team up right. You know, they made some what they believe were key draft picks. But it's just, you know... Every year, I feel like I've been watching the same thing since 2016. It's like, you know, we're, we're bashing our heads into the wall saying, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. It was this. It's, a, it's a franchise problem, and we don't know how to fix it because we don't have the right people in place to fix it. So I think we need to completely reevaluate what we've been doing for five, six years, maybe the last decade, and just get in there and redo it. I mean, they haven't won, a, they haven't had a significant season since 16, and, you know, they're like, I think they have the most losses over the last five seasons, if I'm correct. They have like the worst record tied with the Jets or the worst. I mean, I mean we can't keep doing this, man. It's just bad. No, look, well, Gavin, I, if, yeah. fair point, no, and, and uh, thanks for the call, by the way. Go ahead, Lance. No, I, well, I wanted to expand upon the point about, and John, I believe we've had these conversations. Jeff, you've probably been involved, too. I'm going to go a little bit back, and I know Dave Gettleman wasn't responsible for this signing, but if you remember, Jerry Reese brought in Olivier Vernon as part of that big splash of 2016, and Vernon up to that point had never missed a game in his career, and then Vernon all of a sudden got a little bit banged up and started missing games. So, you know, that's an example of how are you supposed to know that sure. you're investing in a player that unfortunately is just not going to be available. Same thing and for then, Blake Martinez this year, by the way. He's correct. Never Bla really Blake hurt, is another right? guy. Blake mm -hmm. also has held up very nicely. Another player that I'll throw out, much smaller sample size guys, but Shane Lemieux, if you remember, he started 50-plus consecutive games for Oregon. He was always on the field. And then what happens? You get an injury early in the season. So Andrew I Thomas was never hurt at Georgia correct. either. So I guess my point is when the last caller was saying, you know, they've got to reevaluate in terms of the decisions they're making, I think there's a number of guys that we've just gone through that had a very good track record of staying healthy 
And unfortunately, the injury bug struck. So I guess my point is, I don't know if there's really that much wiggle room around that. Yeah, some guys, you have to go, okay, hey, this guy missed five games over the last few years. He's been in and out of the lineup. Okay, maybe there's risk involved there. And by but, the way, there were a couple like, like Kenny Galladay has missed Kenny some Galladay, games. Kenny Galladay, for example. Adore yeah. Jackson missed some sure. games too, Th- right? Those are two mm-hmm. guys that certainly come to mind. Yep. I guess the other guys, though. Sterling I Shepard, just, maybe. Yeah, Sterling, but here's the thing. With Shepard, though, going back to his Oklahoma days, I don't remember Shepard being a guy that was banged up. Because remember, Shepard was a drafted player, John. That's my point. Well, that's true. You know? But I mean, but but, so, but they have signed him to a contract extension. No, since. That, well, that's fair. Right. But I'm, I'm looking at, like, for example, Galladay makes sense because Galladay missed time with the Lions. So you have something to go by in his NFL career. Shepard, to me, was more of a guy that you had to base based on the draft. Same thing with Shane Lemieux, Andrew Thomas, who you referenced. No, that's true. I just I don't see an overwhelming amount of evidence to say that they were risky from a health standpoint. No, I agree with that. I think that's yeah. more than fair. Jeff? No, it's it, it's hard. It's 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 very difficult because of all the things that you say, you just you never know. I mean, like Blake Martinez, it, that's a that was a that's a serious knee injury, you know? Like some of these other ones the guys are, you know, they miss 3 or 4 games and then they come back. Um, you know, but it, you can't. It's. I listen. If I if I'm a GM and I'm looking at the history of a free agent and he's in and out of the lineup consistently, I'm going to try to try to maybe find somebody else because I don't really want that person to come here unless it's a dire need for somebody. Look at Logan Ryan, right? I mean, I don't know how much time he missed over his he career. He barely missed a game throughout his career. So, yeah, but that was COVID, though. In fairness, but my, that's, that's yeah. where I'm going. But that's this yeah. is an extreme example of you know what we're in this pandemic that he misses because of COVID. But he's a very very healthy player, and you know obviously a, a a very good signing for this team late in the game, if you remember. And so I mean that's kind of an idea of where how sometimes it can work. But, you know, and I always hear these, oh, you need to fire the strength coach. Now, what are they doing over there? They run, in, run sprints after, after practice, too many of them, this and that. That's not it, guys. It's not it at all. It's just a matter of, of it's one of it's by chance. Things just happen in this game because it's so fast and so physical. And the other thing is that, you know, there's guys that sometimes it does matter that how, how they're working out personally. Because you and I both know, you guys, we've all been athletics, you know, we played basketball, football, whatever it is, you know, and even as we get later in our in our age is that sometimes if you're not doing things a lot, there's propensity to get hurt even better. Self-care, man. A hundred percent. And at this level, and like I mentioned this on the, uh, the, the post game yesterday, John, is that, you know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of going to Phoenix or, or going to Arizona. I wouldn't have liked that because... I would I did so much off stuff off the field to help me stay on the field, and so like my routine would get re- messed up that way. As far oh, as like so massage, like, if you like a massage guy, on the chiropractor, side or like that, all those kind of guys, you know that I that that's my routine. And and football players are such creatures of habit that that may be detrimental. And I'm not saying that's gonna be or it is it or it isn't, but for me personally, I would have wouldn't have liked it because now I'm gonna have to miss a week of my normal routine. So, right. um, but. Back to the Jeff's the, from Arizona, by the way. Right, so that's true. Know, it takes an awful lot for him to well, say something. Well, it's Tucson, like that. Arizona. <laughs> oh, okay, true. well. <laughs> and, 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 Lance, and, and Lance, Lance, also, by the way, two other guys, too, that did not have any injury issues in college when the Giants drafted him were Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Yep. Those guys were never hurt in college. So, anyway, go ahead, Jeff. Well, look at, and let's just go to the extreme, extreme, extreme. Let's just look at Eli Manning. There's a guy that never got hurt. And he got hit every game, you know? So it's just a matter of chance, guys. It really is. Um, by the way, I still think that – and it's not confirmed, but I, if you looked at that tape or watched the game yesterday and Galladay, when he got hit after that play, 
that's how he hurt his ribs. Oh, yeah. That's a freak thing. Plays yeah. over. Guy comes in, you know, out of nowhere, and boom. That's like, how, how are you supposed to stop something like well, that? Well, and also, Jeff, what about Barkley's latest injury, right? He when on he steps on a cowboy. What the heck is that? Yeah, I mean, how are you going to anticipate you know? that? No, I mean, yeah. look, all of us have watched football for a really long time. Have Jeff, have you ever, you obviously no. being much older than Lance and I, much older. <laughs> okay. And you've seen a lot more football than us. But have you Four ever scores seen. scores at seven years ago, yes. Jeff was around. Have you yes. ever seen in the, <laughs> look, it happens at the line of scrimmage sometimes. Have you ever seen in the open field a skill position guy step on another skill position guy's foot and turn his ankle? Well, maybe coming down, like, you know, coming down and then all of a sudden it's, it's just incidental. But that, the way that that happened, it was just, the play was over. He was backing up and. I mean, it's a size twelve foot on the on the field of thousands and thousands of feet, right? And he, right. he gets his steps on it. I mean, come on, and seriously. The, and the other thing I'll say too, he said, you know, going back ten years or whatever, the only consequential year is twenty sixteen. Look, the Giants, you can't judge what the current regime is doing based on what happened before the current regime was hired, right? So of course not. Anything before twenty eighteen, that's pre Dave Gettleman. Anything pre twenty twenty is pre Joe Judge. So it's not fair to hang around the neck on those two guys, what happened when neither guy was even in the organization? I know fans, it's hard to look at it that way because you experienced all that before the other, before these two guys came. And we totally understand that and why that's part of your equation in terms of overall happiness with the franchise, and that's understandable. But you can't hang that on the necks of the guys that weren't there when those issues were occurring. Now, does that excuse what's happened the last four years? Absolutely not. That, that's not what we're saying. But there are separate issues is my point. Anyway, 201-939-4513. Cliss in New York? He's Clifford. on line three. Yes. Cliss, what's going on, man? Yeah, thanks for all the comments, guys, uh, especially sure. the last talk about the injuries. You know, when Saquon hurt his ankle, it was a lousy play, you know, that, that uh, I don't, don't even remember who, if he was carrying the ball or who was. No, it, it was, was a pass to him. It, 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 was, was a it was a throw to Saquon that went over his head. It was a high pass. Yeah. Right, but, but before it got going, there was like a lot of bumping around among the offensive line. They just didn't look very coordinated on that play. And I saw him after the whistle. He looks over to the sideline, and unfortunately for him, when he starts running back to the huddle, he's still looking at the sideline, and he wasn't looking where he was going, and that's how he stepped yeah. on that guy's yeah. foot. Yep. And, uh, but my point is, I think the injuries might have something to do about the, the lack of execution. I mean, when, when, you're, when, when things are not going well in sync on both sides of the ball, I, I assume it gets more likely to get hurt. But I'm a big fan of the draft choices and the free agents uh, since 2018, without a doubt. And I've been very disturbed by, uh, you know, comments that we, that we have to make changes there because I want to at least finish this regime one more year, and I'm all in favor of them uh, handling the next draft. Um, I, I like the way you ran down some of the names and, and what came up was injuries, but it's more than just the big names. I'm seeing in the last few years a lot better resumes from all those guys we pick up during the season and uh, uh, th those lesser players that maybe they become starters, maybe they're not, maybe they're just for depth. But um, the, the big thing with, with, um, with the injuries also is when you don't have the depth, you know, the injuries are, are a lot more costly. And I thought that I saw improvement in depth right away in 2018 in the, in the first exhibition game. I mean, we had heard in the introduction of the new regime that you had to build depth 
and you had to build competition within each uh, position. And I said, okay, okay. And then I turn on the TV for the first exhibition game, and I swear I saw it. And these were the second, third, and fourth string guys. And I said, these guys are better than what I usually see in the first couple of exhibition games. And then it turns out none of them makes the team, even though they're better. And I think, I think we're getting somewhere. And I, and I think there has, has been that kind of progress. And yesterday, you know, I didn't get that upset. The only time I was kicking things was, was on the missed opportunities. And when you're not a good team, it isn't just the opportunity of the moment, you know. It's, it's, it, it, I think it has a big effect emotionally. And, and um, you, you guys know more about that stuff than I do. But I, it, 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 those missed opportunities were, were just real killers. And up until that time, we completed some third and longs, and there was time uh, for, for Mike to throw. And uh, he did get hit after that. But there, the, the, we, we did make some throws. I thought the pass pro was looking good early on. I really did. And I think that's where missed opportunities come in. It's, it's, I was at a game once where somebody dropped a long pass in the end zone, and up to that point it had been a, 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 a defensive struggle holding our own, and the floodgates just happened. All of a sudden the other guys had a pass rush that worked, and it wasn't working before, and uh, that kind of thing. But I, I really like um, – I thought I saw some progress in the running game. I want to know what you think about that. Uh, last week, I saw Saquon push the pile twice for three or four yards after contact, and I hadn't, didn't remember seeing a lot of that, and I saw that again yesterday. I don't think it was the nine-yard run. I think it was a shorter third-down conversion. And I, I think I'm seeing some progress there. I don't want to be reaching. But as I remember, when we've had trouble running the ball in the past, we, we've had, uh, uh, you know, that business of zero and one and two on the first down. And then all of a sudden it was three. And it seemed to make a difference when it was three yards. And I saw a couple of those yesterday, too. So the other thing I just wanted to mention quickly was that um, we had this nice, very entertaining video on the website with the four offensive linemen from the last two Super Bowls. And I look at their IDs. They were together for a while, you know. I mean, Booth was a rookie in 07, but, but Snee was already in his third or fourth year, and McKenzie was in his second, and Deal was in his third or fourth year. And by the second Super Bowl, those guys were around together for a long time. And I'm just wondering if we're not making some progress on the OL. I mean, I'm disappointed at what you pointed out about the interior. But anyway, that's what I got today. I wonder what you think. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate the call. Those guys also all stayed healthy that they're he was referring to. They yeah. had that consecutive start streak. That helps, okay? That means you're not making a lot of changes on the offensive line. So the durability of that group, I think, deserves a lot of credit, and that's a big product as to why they achieved that level of success. Yeah, I'll just say, Jeff, and then you can go. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I, I didn't see a ton of progress in the running game, to be honest with you. No. Um, the one Barkley 23-yard run, do you want to know why they ran for 23 yards in that play? Yeah, they had personnel problems. Yeah, the right? Dolphins had ten guys <laughs> on the field, and they're you had to bring it up, didn't you, Smoke? And, and their eleventh defense, their eleventh guy was a defensive lineman. It didn't even get to the line of scrimmage by the time the ball was snapped. Then, so take that twenty-three yard run, and I'm not saying it doesn't count, but you under, you know, it wasn't like a regular running play. They had a thirteen yard run on a third and thirty-three, so you could take that thirteen yards and throw it in the trash can. Because that didn't tells me matter. the Dolphins are guarding the line on that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. Yes. So there's 36 yards right off the bat that, you know, didn't have a huge impact. So uh, to me, I, I did uh, look, 
No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just didn't see a whole lot of in the run game. I, I just didn't. Sorry. And by the way, that that whole sequence did you know did that play that you mentioned on the third? <laughs> that whole sequence was just. I mean, that was bad series. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, call a timeout to stop a delay a game, sack, delay a game. Well, that was the other <laughs> yeah, thing. Like, sacks and then the delay game. You know, Howard was talking about this a lot during the broadcast. It seemed like they were, they, like, again, it just took them, like, they were always up against the play clock over the course of the game too, right? Yeah. And and, and here's the thing. I, I know that there's transition here between Jason Garrett and, and Kitchens. And remember, guys, it's not that easy to just do this, right? Because Freddie Kitchens was up in the booth, you know, and, Jason was down, and they were collaborating because it's not – most of it was Jason Garrett calling the plays, but those guys wear headsets for a reason, guys. They're talking about the play or the upcoming play. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit more of that going on than we know and without us having a headset and listening to what's going on. So uh, there may be some communication gaps that are happening here and that, you know, it's – because the, the – the quarterback, it's imperative that he gets to the line of scrimmage to have enough time to be able to change and get in and out of a play. Because if you don't – and you got to run it, you know it's just not going to work, and that's where you get those negative plays. Well, it didn't you... seem like that they had enough time for that, though, right, Jeff? Or yeah, no, that that's my imagination. I'm... Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what that's, I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. I absolutely. You. So I think that there's, you know, I don't know what's going on with that. And, and I know that, you know, it's not just these guys. I remember, if you can remember how many times that Eli would get to the line of scrimmage and there was 10 seconds left. So, you know, it happens. You just don't want to have it happen all the time. And then there were certain circumstances in the game yesterday where it cost them, you know, a timeout. Um, you know, I still trying to go over that sequence that happened with the 12 seconds after the first quarter. And then there was a timeout. I guess, you know, they thought that the play clock was they were going to have not to have to have enough. They were not going to have to run a play because the play clock was not in sync with the other one, but it was vice versa, right? I mean, so they ended up realizing, oh, my God, we do have to run a play, and we couldn't get it in there, so he had to call a timeout. So, And remember, the whole point of having the quarterbacks now wear wristbands, I thought, was to alleviate some right. of that stuff, Good right? Good point. So yeah. this way, the communication is a little bit smoother. You don't have to go through that long list of plays. You just give the quarterback a number. He looks sure. down at his wristband, and then he's able to get it into the huddle, and then they're able to walk to the line of scrimmage. Because remember, Jeff, we were talking about this in the Tampa Bay game. Remember when they failed to convert on fourth down, Daniel didn't get to the line of scrimmage till about seven seconds left on the play clock, and everything just seemed to be rushed, and it led to an incomplete pass, and they wound up turning that over on down. So the wristband was, hey, let's try to avoid some of that, but it's still showing up here or there. So I think that's something worthy of noting. And I wanted to then add to, John, you were saying that you weren't that impressed with the progress being made that the caller was hitting on in terms of the run game. I'll go back to if there was that much progress being made in terms of the run game, then why was it that they faced 11 third downs for nine yards or more? That, to me, is a product of not being efficient no, right. on first and second down. So I don't understand how you would equate big-time progress on the ground. If you were running the ball that effectively on the early downs, you would not be facing that many third and longs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Neil in Dutchess County. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Neil. Hello, gentlemen. Hi. Hey, um, I'm I'm not an offensive lineman. Uh, never was. Um, but when I look at the offensive line on other teams and all around the league, there seems to be a push forward. I don't see that. In the, I mean. Isn't the concept of knowing if you have the same amount of beef on the same amount of beef and you know what the snap count is, 
shouldn't you at least move the line forward a yard or two? I agree, you know? Neil. I don't think we see enough consistent. You don't see them moving the line of scrimmage back enough in the run game. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's a stalemate, you know, and it, it shouldn't be a stalemate. So, what do we we have weak guys on there? What What's the deal? Because everybody, I mean, first down, not a pressure situation. First down and 10, you should not get stonewalled for no loss. So, I disagree with the other caller also about seeing any progress in the running game. Look, these guys can run. Booker can run. Barkley can run. Nobody can run into a wall. And I do believe that one he broke for 20 yards. He kind of got stonewalled on that and then kind of looped around it. Anyway, um, it's all a Gettleman disaster because, you know, it all goes back to him. He never built the line. And that we don't even get games yet close enough to really be that upset about. It's just terrible football. Thank you. Sure. Well, I mean, his point is well taken about the identity, I think, of good teams. Jeff, you were even referring to this. You said the common element between good teams in the NFL, right? They have good quarterback play. But I would think the other layer to that is you at least know what you're going to get out of your offensive line on a consistent basis. I think that's the other common trend with respect to most of the teams that at least are in position to win their division or make a playoff push. They feel good about what they can get done as a result of their offensive line. And, and don't you guys both think that, you know, when we are evaluating the draft like we do in the off season, and we we look at all of the you know the mocks and all the people that we talk to about these players and this and that, there is a distinct difference between a first round draft po- choice in in the offensive line position and maybe a fifth, sixth, or a seventh free agent guy. Oh right? my God, yeah. I mean, so, come on. So let's take a look. <laughs> And let's, okay, so my point, what I'm going to try to say here is that, you know, we can hope that these younger guys get better, but what is their, like, where is the plateau with these guys? You know, I mean, are they there already and they're just, they cannot get any better than they are through coaching or any individual types of things? But when you invest in an offensive line through the draft and these the top tier guys, number one, they're going to give you a chance because they're good. Right. They may not be exceptional perennial pro bowlers, but they're good. All right. And Andrew Thomas is a guy that, you know, maybe he will go to the Pro Bowl one day. That's a tough position to make a Pro Bowl because those guys that make it, they just continuously go. Right. Mm -hmm. But you could see the progression from year one to year two. He's made an incredible leap as far as getting better. That's because he's a first round guy. And so now when I look at these other guys where they're from and I don't know the history of every single one of them, but. You got if you have an investment in your offensive line, you're not going to invest five first rounders. You know that you just can't. But if you have a bunch of them, a few of them, and then you got to have quality backup guys, and have that depth because of the injury stuff that we talk about, then you build the the cohesiveness of with the group. They play together for for so many years, and next thing you know, you have an offense like the like the Cowboys did a few years ago, where they had Zeke Elliott and be able to just run and lead the league in rushing. You know, so, I mean, that's 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 the, the bottom line behind building an offensive line for the future. And when you look at the offensive line today, I don't know how many of those guys fit the molds that we just talked about, or at least I talked about. 201-939-4513. Uh, hey, Giant fans, taking all the action of Giants football from your own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giant suite representative now by calling 888 888- 
1925. I haven't talked to Charlie in Portland, Maine in quite a while. Hello, Charlie. Hey, John. Hey, Lance. Hey, hey Chuckles. Jeff. Hello. Hey, uh, man, I, I, what can you say? The offense is offensive. It just is. Um, I mean, I mean, look at look at Brady. You know, the reason why Brady's leading the league in touchdowns and all this stuff in yards is because he's the least hit, least pressured, least sacked quarterback in the NFL. Now, remember, though, Charlie, so a, a big reason for that is because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. He literally has yeah, the second fastest time to throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another reason, but also their offensive line is good. You don't get hit or sacked unless you have a good offensive no, line. That's true. Look, when Brady, when Brady lost those few games, what was what, what happened in the Washington game? Allen and Payne got in his face up the middle rush. And when you get that rush on a quarterback up the middle, they stink. They're ordinary, they're mediocre, and Brady is mediocre. Well, That's especially how we a guy like him. Brady who doesn't move very well out of the pocket. Exactly. That's the other thing. Exactly. And the, and the other thing is, is like, when did, you know, when did Glenn not, Glennon get that concussion? Because he was throwing the ball really well. So he must have got that concussion early on. I looked he at it, Charlie. Anybody after that? I yeah. looked at I looked at the offense today. I thought I saw the play. It could have happened at the end of the third quarter. Uh, he got okay. sacked, and the back of his head kind of snapped back and hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I, again, that might not be when it happened. I have no idea, but that's a play that kind of jumped out to me as a possibility. But I I I don't, I don't think there's any way for us to know for sure. But you're right. I agree. I thought in the first, I honestly thought in the first quarter, Glennon threw the ball extremely well. I did. Yeah, he was well, he completed zipping. first yeah. eight passes. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, doesn't I don't know, Jeff? You've had concussions, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Many. Don't, didn't you know you had one? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, well why didn't? Well, because the, well, listen, it's not it's not the same. It's not the same. Every concussion that I had, I, I listen. Everyone in the stadium knew that I had a concussion. <laughs> the way that I got hit. I mean, you know, those guys, yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys get glancing blows here and there. You just never know. I mean, that's the thing. So, well, Glennon probably didn't want to come out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it stupid. If he if no, he it is stupid. He was dizzy. He was dizzy and all that stuff. Why are you staying in the game? And well, we don't know, though. Maybe no, I mean, right. he didn't sense the side effects till after yeah. the game. Yeah. That happens with guys, too. Yeah, that's true. 100%. Yeah, Good point. Yeah. that could be. That could be, you know. But anyway, I mean, there's there's definitely – this is the systemic, offensive, poor play. This has been going on for years. And when, you know, when judges – I don't know what game Judge is watching. He must have been watching the same one that this caller you had saying the <laughs> the running game was really better or whatever. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, I just – we're supposed to have the greatest teachers, coaches that has been ever assembled in the history of the NFL, and we can't even get hurt on the field. You know, I, I mean, what, what is – I don't – Charlie, did you hear look, Rob Sale's comments from this past week? That has nothing to do with yeah, coaching. Yeah, he said he, he, he said he sucked, basically. Well, he didn't say that. No, but it's important that you, if you didn't listen to them and if our audience didn't, because he was asked the exact question that a lot of people yeah. continue to call up and ask. And he said that Matt Paird is not as tough as they'd like him to be the physical. at this point. In terms physical. Of physical. 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 Yeah. Yes, physical. So, you know, that's the reason why Nate Solder is still the starter. That's the gist of it. Those words came out of Rob Zell's mouth. He was asked that yeah, question. But, yeah, but you know the head coach. 
he all he thinks about is toughness. Toughness to him is talent, and toughness to me is not talent. You know, Judge loves toughness. You know, but it doesn't mean you got talented players. Okay, he might be able to play, but he doesn't like them because he's not tough. No, enough, but Charlie, remember, you know? it was he didn't say tough. He said physical. He's not which and and and, well, and because, which, no, because, which no, makes no, up the position. No, because I no, but Charlie, I. I think there's a distinct difference between those two things. Because when you talk about okay. physicality on the offensive line, and I, and I will quote both Sean O'Hara and David Deal, who use this line all the time, for me, physicality is the ability to move, one, move another human being from point A to point B against his will. That's what physicality is to me. Can you overwhelm the person in front of you and move them where you want to move them even though that person doesn't want to go there. That, to me, is what physicality is, which I think is different than what toughness is. I think they are two okay. distinctly different things. It's a things. good point, John. And I think that Rob Sale would basically would agree with what you're saying because that's, basic, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I, I, I don't have confidence that Matt Parrott can move one guy from right. one place to the other. That has to do with physicality. Well, and, and that and goes Toughness is way different. Toughness is way different. I was just going to say that, you know, I mean, BD was, you know, called a finesse, uh, you know, left tackle. But, you know, he was, I'm sure he had physicality. No, he know? did not. No, was Charlie, certain... Charlie, that, that was the, that's the exact same knock on Will Beatty. Jeff, okay. back me yeah. up here. Well, but Will Beatty, but Will Beatty was a pretty good player. He wasn't like. He was a better player than Matt right? Parrott, but he would have been an yeah. even better player if he was a little bit more physical. Well, and, and that's why Beatty was known as a better pass protector than he was a run player, right? Because he wasn't the most right. physical player in the he world. He was athletic, too. Right. Correct. He was, he was a good athlete, right. And so was Parrott, by the right. way. Yeah. 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 So, I, you know, I guess all I'm saying is, look, I, you know, the guard, center, and guard is horrendous. I don't know why Will Hernandez is still playing. It's ridiculous. I mean, Charlie, he, they should just take him out. Charlie, who do you what, want? Charlie, did you else? see what happened to Ben Bredesen when they put him in for Scora? Well, it didn't go it well. Let me tell you, I watched that this morning. Listen, the premise is there for you, Charlie. <laughs> Thank I, you, Charlie. I, I, we got to run. You know, the the idea is, I'm, I'm sure everybody agrees with you. The reality of it is what John said. <laughs> what do you want to do? I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. Well, who's so, left? <laughs> Who else are you going to put in? You don't make a change for the sake of making a change. You make a change if you think player B is better than player exactly. A. That's exactly what would have happened if player B, being Matt Parrott, was better than player A, being Nate Solder. It right. doesn't make sense just because he's a young guy and he's like probably a little bit more athletic, but he's not a better player. You're not going to do it. And look, I get it from a fan's perspective. If it's not going to go well, you'd rather have it not go well with a young guy to learn what you have than have it not go well with a veteran that's probably not going to be on the roster next Let me year. ask you both this I, question. And like, I, I get that point of view, but... And trust me, I've had this frustration with the Knicks for many years. Coaches just oftentimes don't look at it that way. And by the way, they might be trying to send a, a message to the player by saying, look, we need you to get better by you know doing A, B, or C. And they might feel like if they put him on the field before he does get better at what they're asking him to get better at, maybe that's not sending the right message to the player too. Well, because so. you're trying to light a fire under a guy. And I think that, you know, once again, my interpretation, I think Rob Sale's trying to do that with Matt Paird. I think yeah. that was part of the reason why he let sure. those comments out publicly. You know, <laughs> let's see if maybe we can light something under him. And then he comes into practice the next week and he shows, all right, you want me to grab the job? I'm going to grab the job now, period. Jeff, you had something before I interrupt you. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's okay. No, I, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what the future is for Matt Parrott. And I look at a guy like, <clears throat> I remember, 
uh, Eric Flowers was not a was a first round draft pick, a tackle. He was supposed to be all that. Um, the Giants realized that he, you know, just wasn't good at a tackle. He leaves here and goes and plays in Miami, and then goes to Washington, and he's starting as a guard. You know, so, so sometimes maybe the player is not positioned right, and maybe Matt Parrott's a better guard than he is a tackle. You know, maybe he has a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, so, but Jeff, think about he's this a lengthy way. guy, though. Well, yeah. and, and, and Lance, to your point, yes, he's lengthy. The other part, too, if you want a guy that you have a knock on him for not being physical be physical enough to tackle, <laughs> yeah, and then you got to put him yeah. at guard. His guard yeah. is even more physical. I was just throwing it out there, guys, right. because, no, no, of course, you yeah. know. No, we got you. Um, but it's, just, yeah. it's, it's funny because we know that when, he, when they drafted him that he got labeled that developmental guy. Well, that's over now, right? I mean, it should be over. And now that he has to – I agree with you, Lance, 100% that these coaches somehow can't get through to a player one-on-one. They've got to do it through the press and the media, and they do that. It happens all the time. Well, you know, Haley, hey, just, just to just, – then you go ahead just real quick. Remember, they wanted Matt Pear to be the starter. I mean, he was the first team right tackle for four weeks of training camp, joint practices, preseason games. Go down the list. He was it. They're like, we need to give him – We well, not mean to give him, but we need – they wanted to present him every opportunity – to yep. win that job, and he wasn't able to seize it. And he had a back injury. You know, that that's had a little bit to do Which with it. Which set it back the, a little in the early. But, but the fact Jeff, matters, you and I but, were talking about this yesterday. Now right. I don't think we're talking about the back issue anymore. No, we're not. We're well beyond that. But but yeah. even if even if the back injury still was kind of had a li- little bit of a lingering effect, that should have no effect on the physicality of a player. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Yeah. Especially, I, I just think that <laughs> – I would hate to be an offensive lineman and have my coach say that about me. That would light a fire under me like you couldn't believe because I don't want to be labeled as that type of guy, right? I mean, if you're if you're an offensive lineman in the National Football League, people want I, I want people to think to me as I am just as nasty and mean as you could get. I'll never marry your daughter, most likely. One of those guys, you know? <laughs> so Keep them away from you, your daughter. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I would love to be labeled if, enough, if I was a big old ogre like one of those, all those guys. But uh, it's just, you know, you're an offensive lineman in the NFL. You've got to be mean and tough and physical. You have to be because look at the guys you're blocking, for God's sakes. Did you just call offensive linemen ogres? Is that yeah. what you just ogres. did? Like Shrek. That's what yeah, like Shrek. To. Like Shrek. Yeah. Well, Shrek. You put Shrek on your offensive line. No? <laughs> well, in fairness, I, I don't sure. think Shrek wasn't that physical, was he? Well, he seemed like well, a very, like, I mean, like well, more of the physical no, but when Shrek aspect. got nasty. Okay, I can't believe we're breaking this down. But yeah, I'm remember go when he got when, nasty, he was, he was throwing Shrek, things all like, over the exactly. place. Exactly. That's my point. Jeff summed it up beautifully. <laughs> yes, when Shrek, when you lit a fire under Shrek, John, you would not want to mess with Shrek. Yes, he was soft and he was kind to Princess, what was it, Leah? Is that what her name was, I believe? No, I Princess didn't watch Leah. Shrek that much, I don't know, to be honest well, with you. But I Shrek is it. a very good movie, okay? I will be the first one to... I'm not a big anime, but that's not really an animation film. So a great flick. You know, it's yeah. animation. Well, I, it's a different kind of animation, I guess, in my. You know, wow, like, we have really, <laughs> we have really been. <laughs> no, but I, I like the Shrek Ogre. Okay, comparison. good. I do. Thank I you. like it, Jeff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, I can't believe I'm that thinking, you have not seen I'm, Shrek as that many times with the young daughter. No, you know Shrek, Shrek, yeah, Shrek, Shrek is one of the movies she has not gotten. Do you know why? Wow. Because, I mean, do you know why? Because together here, there's just so many new ones. No, you do you know why? It's not. It's not on. It's not a Disney movie. It's not on Disney Plus. 
so she doesn't have easy access to it. Yeah, but you're going to tell me on the TV stations that you have access to, they don't show you it? You think I'm Come flipping on. around TV stations with her? There well, is no chance that's happening. You put the well, Disney Plus on, you watch one thing. <laughs> you, think I'm, you think I'm handing her the remote control? No, I'm not saying. No, four? but you get an idea of when it's going to air. She's going to find know, that you station You or, or whatever, and then she can watch it at her convenience. All right, maybe, maybe, okay, here, okay, here's what I'm going to do, Lance, just for you. When we get around the holidays and we have an afternoon where it's maybe a little cold out, I can't take her outside, yeah. I will go out of my way and I will show her <clears throat> Shrek. Yeah, I mean, she's going to love it. It's a must. A I mean, must. She'll like the music. There's, you know, a good soundtrack. Wow. There, <laughs> I think there's some subtle humor in those films, too. I think it's very well written. I have an idea. I think in the off season we need to do like a Lance Meadow Shrek Giants Huddle podcast. Like we we, 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 we need to find like the like the lead animator or something like that from Shrek and have him on the show. Oh, well, well they, was it there two Shreks right? That's yeah, Shrek, there were multiple Shreks. Shreks I believe. There's there three. Shreks, yeah, yeah, oh, three Shreks. Yeah. Well, there we go. Boy, wow! Look forward to the off season. That is the, that is quite the road we just traveled down, and yeah, now we're going to be way over. But that's okay. The first one. Oh, was he, voice? John Lithgow? Yes. Was on? I don't know yeah, that. he's the voice of the uh, king. You know the. Wow, you really are a Shrek fan, lads. Yeah. Oh, it's a good film. I'm not ashamed of saying it. <laughs> I don't. I like film in general, but there Shrek is, is definitely a good one. Jeff opened the door, and I gladly walked through. There it. is. Yes. There. Are, there is. There is nothing wrong with Shrek. I don't. I'm not yeah. making fun of you for liking Shrek. Shrek. It was the word ogre. That's yeah, that's what ogre, set it yeah. up. Ogre got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's get back to reality with letting Columbia Railroad led. What's going on? Hey, Bring guys. us back, Len. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. All right. I think I have to lower my expectations <laughs> for this football team. Oh, see, now, Len, I thought you meant for the show. Oh. <laughs> Thank God you no, said no. the team, not the no. show. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm honored. I'm, I'm honored to be on. I'm honored to get to follow Charlie. There you go. Terrific. Now, most people wouldn't say that, but that's uh, one way to put well, it. Well, no, no, the last remember, there's a strategy here. If you come on after Charlie, the expectations yes. are way lower. Oh, yeah. So there's it, it, there's nothing. You can only go up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Charlie actually had a good call today. Anyway, my, go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Here, here's my thing on, on purse since that was the last thing you talked about. I think Rob Sale was sent by someone from a higher, of a higher authority to, to send that message to the general public because the pressure was getting too hot. It's getting too high. Everybody was asking the questions, and somebody had to say it, and Sale was selected to say it. And I'll tell you this right now: I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of that kind of activity being a motivational. Um, what if it's a last a resort, play, though? Play better. Now, Len, I will it, say this: I have yeah, no idea, no idea if that's something Neither Rob Sale just do. did on his own, okay. or if that was right. directed for well, above. I have no idea. I know you don't. I know you don't. But well, that, plus, that, Len, that, real, real quickly opinion. before I let you continue, if anyone yeah. knows Matt Parrott's personality better than anybody yeah. else, wouldn't you think it's the offensive yeah. line coach? So, yeah. meaning, I would sure. think yeah. even yeah. if he not... said it on his okay. own power, that he'd be yeah. comfortable doing it because he knows yeah. how Matt could potentially react to that. Remember, the last guy who was on the coaching staff who said something about the play of the offensive line got fired within three days. You remember that happening a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, but that Jason Garrett. Okay, but that had nothing to do okay. with calling out a player, right. though. Okay. Well, no, he wasn't. He called out the whole offensive line. Well, I, that okay, to me was here. a strange. He, he didn't call out the whole. Line. He right. basically said that they were working on getting that group to a point of similar to where Dallas was, where he well, was. Well, and, and he also said he basically had to he had to call plays, keeping the the strength of the offensive line in mind, which which sure. which, which by yeah. the way is the truth. Not, I mean, yeah. Not for nothing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It was absolutely the truth. 
I'm not sure why Jason Garrett lost his job. I mean, I, you know, but in any event, here's my – well, let me ask Jeff a question so I can make my point about sure. Kurt. Jeff, Jeff. Yes, sir. I'm do here. You, I'm here for you, Len. Do you grow <laughs> Do you grow physical? Do you grow physical when you suddenly become a professional football player? No. It should be there when you get there. You better be. Matt Kurt's finished with the Giants. He's finished. <laughs> He, he can't walk into that locker room, guys. He, look at him yesterday. He lost another job yesterday. Four plays, four field goal attempts. Matt Pert, a blocker. He, he wasn't even the jumbo. He wasn't even for the jumbo package. Yeah, Cunningham did that. I'm, so, I'm sorry about that, but my opinion, he, he's finished with the Giants. He might as well not be on. He might as well not be on the 53 today. And I think the guy's got some potential. I really do. But I, I don't know how he plays with the joints. All right. Um, listen, defensively yesterday, I, I you know, give me back the two plays in the fourth quarter, you know, late in the fourth quarter, the third down conversions. Um, you, you know, elite defenses make one of those two. You know, make a stop on one of those two. No, that's fine. I agree but, with that. You know, other, other than that, I, I thought defensively we played pretty good. I'd like to see a little more, you know, you use both names, um, John, today, I'd like to see a little more um, uh, production out of Williams and 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 Lawrence. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, you know, but by and large, I think defensively yesterday. But you know, yeah, the defense the was fine, Len. The defense tried... was fine. The defense was fine. You're right; it was fine. The, the you gave up twenty people... points in the league. You give your chances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gave your team yeah, a chance. Yeah. Two hundred ninety-seven yards. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Listen, the forty-eight people we dressed yesterday, guys. The 48 people we sent out there in uniform yesterday could, couldn't have beaten anybody in the NFL. That was, that was not a, group, a good group of players. We have better players than that. They're just not able to play. But that 48 yesterday, uh, it, it, we have to get lucky. To, to get out hey, there. look, whenever you're going to go out there without your starting quarterback, Len, it's going to be a big challenge yeah. in this league. You know, yeah, it's, it's just the way it goes. It was just, it was just the people that we, you know, we put out there. Let me, let me, let me rant on one play call, right? Uh, second series of the game by the Dolphins. Um, on, by, by, by us, I'm sorry. We're on our own seven-yard line, I think. We're inside the tent. Barkley flanked left, comes in motion behind Jones, Five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It was either a pitch or a hand. Yeah, it was a and pitch. He runs left. He runs the shoulder. So runs the shoulder and Hernandez aside. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what side the tight end was on on that on that play. But what are you going? You know, if I'm a if I'm a coach, I'm telling my offensive coordinator when we're inside the ten, don't you ever call an east west play? I don't. I don't think that was inside the ten, though. And I thought that play was a midfield. Wait, are we talking no, about no, the pitch no, to Barkley no, that lost zero. five? Yeah. That yeah. was from the no, 17. The previous play ran for okay. 10. All right. The previous, and we gained 10 on the first play, Lance? Correct. On the very first play of that drive, they picked up 10. Then they pitched it to Barkley. He lost five. They okay. were at the 17 yard okay. line. Right. Listen, that play was doomed from the start. Who is everybody? Who are, the, who are 11 players on the Dolphins looking at when. when Barkley comes across your eyes, coming out of the, coming out of wherever he was on the slot or flank, coming coming behind Jones. I mean, whole, okay. I, they had to be waiting for Barkley. I mean, that was just to me that was that was that was just a you know a dumb call. Look, let's put our best players that we've got healthy out on the field. Let's see what we can do. 
keep feeding Barkley the ball. We got to find out what's going on. I think there's a lack of confidence here. Maybe a little lack of focus yesterday with the two drops. Let's just see what you know. We got to find out what we got with this guy. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We got to get Daniel back. I said it last week, John. Worst thing that can happen to us is if Daniel missed four or five, maybe the rest of the season. We we still got to figure out what we got with Daniel, and uh, you know, go go forward with that. So I hope this guy can get back on the field. All right, All right listen, let's go, Giants. Thanks for taking my call. I Thank you, Len. Appreciate it. All right, guys, All right, guys uh, let let's wrap it up here with Mike in Brooklyn. He's been holding on to make sure Mike gets a couple minutes. Hi, Mike. Mike, go ahead. hey guys, how you doing? We're good, good. man. I, I just uh, I was noticing something uh, yesterday, and I wanted to see if you guys took the same kind of notice on it. When Saquon was running, you know, obviously it's all or nothing with the with the line and his style of running. But I noticed when he got outside on a 23-yard run, and when he got outside a couple of times on passes, he's heading right for the sideline. It doesn't seem like he's like using a straight arm to get a couple extra yards. I, I think he's running kind of tentative or he's, he's not mentally um, – I don't know if he's thinking about his, his injuries. Have you guys – did you guys notice that in, in the game yesterday? Because uh, it kind of it got to me because it, it was more than once. It was like three times. I did he notice kinda, it. I did notice it on one play, Mike. I didn't notice it on a couple of others. And it could be possible. Look, he could be trying to protect his, his ankle a little bit. Because remember, there was a play late in the game, guys, right, where they had to retape it at some point in the fourth quarter, right? So mm-hmm. maybe right. – Maybe he's trying to limit the hits on his lower body. That's possible. I didn't notice it as much as you did. I noticed it on one play, um, but that's something I can certainly keep an eye on. Yeah, and as, yeah, but as and, far as the uh, passes to him, I mean, he was going in the direction of the sideline because that's where the throw was going towards. Right. So I don't think that had anything to do with it. Yeah, that. I agree with that. And the one thing, too, I, I, I noticed in, in his favor, that, that play where he had, they, I think it was third and seven, and they handed the ball to him, and he, and he kind of twirled at the end and made the extra couple of yards to get the first down. That was something that I you know, give him credit for because that, that was a big thing on his on probably a lot of stress on his ankle and knee that were injured. But uh, I, you know I'm a fan, um, uh, and I when I was thinking when I was watching the game, and I, I, Glennon started eight eight for eight, and I was like, wow, this guy you know looks pretty good. And you know then the the, the, you know, the rush started getting there, and it just it just it just went south, and the whole. The whole thing just went south real fast, as far as I was concerned. But we still were only down ten to three. We stopped them when they got the ball back in the third third quarter, and I thought we were gonna, you know, give it a game, make it a game. Thank Take you, care, Mike. guys. Appreciate yeah. it. And then let's say about Glenn too, real quick, and, and and then we'll wrap up, guys. You know, Harry and I both kind of noticed. You got to like the end of the second quarter, start of the third. He was like kind of walking around gingerly between plays a little bit, I thought. And we, me and Howard thought maybe it looked like his back might have been hurting a little bit just by the way he was walking. You know, Jeff, it's very easy to see how a guy walks when he's got a bad back. You know what I mean? You kind of mm-hmm. just see the way he's moving. It just didn't see, It seemed like the hits – let me put it this way. Whatever was going on, it seemed like some of the hits he was taking were starting to get to him a little bit in terms of how he was moving around a little taking bit. Taking a toll on him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they always say the hits are cumulative, right? That's what the defense sure. always wants to do on those quarterbacks is just, you know – even though you're not sacking them, they're cumulative hits. They they affect them going in. And I'm trying to. I think I remember the play you were talking about with Glennon getting hit. I th- I thought it was, should have been a foul. You know, it should have been a, a flag because you know these guys they call late hits all the time on these quarterbacks when 
you know, it wouldn't have been five years ago. Yeah, it, but was the, I, it was the first of the two plays when he got sacked on consecutive plays. But it was right quarter. from the front, wasn't it? The guy that hit him from the yeah, front, and then so. he went yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jalen Phillips it. was the one that had both of those sacks, yep. if that's what you're referring to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What, a, what a two weeks he's had. Wow. Well, what a well, last few weeks he's had, by the way. He's had seven sacks in the last five games. <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, yeah. Well, we talked about it. Look, if we all he was said the number the one guy. Remember, he was the number one guy. You talk about drafting guys with injury histories, right? Well, yeah. he's a guy that had one, and mm-hmm. they've drafted him, and, and so far it's, it's worked out. And concussions, yeah, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but he was number one on everybody's board without the concussions. He would have been number the one number one guy, but that just, remember, we talked about that, and who was going to take a chance on him, and, you know, homegrown right there, right from Coral Gables over to Miami Gardens. Any final thoughts to your guys before we wrap? No. Interesting to see what's going to happen this week with the quarterback position, and hopefully Mike Glennon is okay. Because Yeah, uh, I, I purposely didn't <laughs> want to hit that yeah, today. Yeah, I know. Because I, I figured we had f- four more days <laughs> to get that's into all that. <laughs> but that's my closing fair. thing. That's what you call a tease for the rest of the week. How there about you, you go, guys? Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's by far the biggest storyline to monitor. And the other thing I'll just add is you're going from now a Dolphins offense to a Chargers oh, offense. Oh, a lot different. That's night and day. Oh, yes. great point, Lance. Uh, probably this- night, night and day from the last two weeks, by the way. 100%. Yeah. There might be 200 yards in the first quarter with that game. Yeah, it'll You're be certainly capable of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so exactly. tomorrow, I believe, Lance, it is you and Tatino on Big Blue Kickoff Live, and then we'll uh, have Tatino and Howard on Wednesday, and we'll so on and so forth throughout the week. And we'll have to do all our stuff uh, with the team remotely because we're obviously all in New Jersey, and the team is out there. Uh, I believe University of Arizona, right? Jeff in Tucson? Yep. And that's yep. where they're that's doing their stuff. That's Tom Quinn's uh, alma mater. Tom oh, Quinn, really? big man oh, on okay. campus, apparently. Look at that. Who knew? Big man on campus. For Lance and Jeff, I'm Schmelz. Thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you next time.